Rolling. Renegades. Andre and I had this big idea. Nurses know how to solve shit. Renegades. Yes. Renegades. You don't have to be conventional. That's the whole point, isn't it? That's right. We're definitely exactly. not conventional. You just know. <laughs> we like to help everybody feel better about themselves. Of <laughs> I'm feeling better already. Thank you. Welcome to the Renegade podcast, a revolutionary approach to continuing education for nurses by nurses who are shining a light on the innovators, the creatives, the renegades who are blowing up the boxes that the rest of the world is still trying to think outside of. If you're a nurse and you're listening to this podcast, you can actually get a CE credit for it. Head over to rnegade.pro. That's R-N-E-G-A-D-E.pro. Follow the prompts to get a membership and you can get a CE. On today's podcast, we have Princess Josephine Amoa. It's like Amor. It's kind of got that love feeling, Amoa. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It anyway, she is a RGN nurse coach mentor. This is the part I'm reading off the book. It's not like I have this memorized, but it's, she's impressive. She has a book. I'm reading it off her book. Okay. So that's like <laughs> probably enough right there. She's a UK registered nurse with over 10 years experience working across different healthcare settings. She is the founder of Being a Consultants, a nursing and healthcare consulting business, which aims to help healthcare organizations in Ghana, West Africa, to improve patient care and safety. She's also a nurse coach, mentor, and hopes to help nurses find their why, what, and how in nursing. She wrote this book because she got tired of saying the same thing over and over again. So now she's got this book so she can make people read nurses and just go read that book and then we can go deeper, right? Yes. <laughs> Welcome Perfect. to Welcome. the RNA podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the honor. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We are honored. We had a chat with Josephine about what a week and a half ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not too, not too long ago. And it was like in the first five minutes. Okay, stop talking. Because <laughs> <laughs> we want to have talking. you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, she's amazeballs. So Josephine, why don't you just, beside all that like official stuff on the back of your book, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what kind of what you told us on the call, you know, the last 10 years of your life where, you know, you tried all, I'm just doing my recap and then you expand, but tried all these different specialties, but uh, then you met Josiah, you met the right person that, that threw gasoline on the spark that was inside (laughs) of you all the time anyway. And then it took off. (laughs) So just tell us about you and that story. So I, I came to the UK when I was about 15. So I had to go through the you know, the education system. I studied to be a nurse in here. I actually fell into nursing because I never thought I would be a nurse. I never dreamt of nursing in any way at all. I I wanted to be an air hostess, but obviously I'm scared of flying. So (laughs) nursing was actually, (laughs) yes, when I'm on a flight, it's um, like that. (laughs) All throughout the flight, onto the flight lands. So I think somewhere in 2004, my, my parents kind of, suggested to me why don't I try nursing and up to that point I've never thought of nursing and I thought actually yeah I love people I'm empathetic I I love having people around me and people love being around me so and I care for people so why don't I try it so I literally just fell into nursing and I, I, I honestly cannot see myself doing anything else apart from nursing it sounds a bit cliche but I love it so much and I feel like nursing is me and I am nursing <laughs> and I mean for when I when I qualified 2010 about 12 years ago I was a bit lost so I knew I wanted to be a nurse but I didn't know how much more there was to nursing than what you were taught in school so I kind of you know trolled through my first eight years of um, being qualified nurse without knowing what I wanted to do I just I was just doing a bedside nursing, but I always felt that there was there was more inside of me that there was more that I could give. There's more that I could achieve, like something bigger. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm sure you've had the experience where you feel like you you can do more. There's more in you that you can give. So I went through that phase for a while. Knew what I wanted to do, I knew that I wanted to do more, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then in 2020, I met Josiah Okeshola. 
So Josiah was someone that, like um, Karen said, he cannot poured fuel or gas on on uh, on the fire that was already burning in me. Josiah, we were networking, we we're going attending virtual conferences and all sort of things. And he, every time I came away from speaking to him on the phone, I just felt like, look, I can do this. Whatever it is that I thought I could do, I knew I could do it a hundred folds because he was that kind of person. He just kind of kind of gingers you and wants and and wants and kind of wants you to want to get more out of whatever you're doing if that makes sense so Josiah I, I kind of attribute my current success to him because everything that I was experiencing in the first eight years of my uh, post-qualification he's kind of like brought it all together in a sense that he's kind of made me actually take a step out of my comfort zone and do the things that I felt I could do and I've actually succeeded way beyond what I thought I could it's been speaking, amazing journey. I think it's it it speaks to the fact that I can see just by talking to you that he might have been the fuel, but now you have that same infectious energy that he does. I mean, you're lightning in a bottle too, actually. So I, I lightning in I a bottle, part two. I know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't give him all the credit, although I do recognize that he has got some serious lightning in a bottle as well. But yeah. it just, I, I listening to you, I just can't help but comment on your energy. Like it is infectious. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and effortless, effortless, you know, it yeah. comes through. So what was the, was there a moment that like, so it's one thing for someone to tell you you can and to make you think that you can, but it's a whole nother thing when, oh my gosh, I can. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you remember something? Do you remember that moment where it wasn't uh, just smoke blowing or can do spirit or whatever? It was just like, right. I'm doing this or, oh my gosh, I did it. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm still kind of floating. I've, I, obviously, I know that I've achieved a lot in that space uh -huh. of you know, two years, but it still hasn't sunk in yet. And I, I think the people that are close to me in my inner circle, they are constantly saying to me, you've done so much. Why don't you just, because I'm a, a perfectionist, you know, and they're always saying, you've done so much. You've achieved so much in the last two years. You need to give yourself more credit for it. And I think I'm beginning to kind of understand where they're coming from. I feel like I can do more. I've, I've achieved so much, but there's more I can give. But I think that that lightning bulb moment um, came about in June 2020. I was just at home and suddenly it kind of like lit in my head. I thought, actually, I can do this. So I went online to Facebook and I still have that, um, that post I made on Facebook. I went on Facebook and I said, okay, I'm willing to mentor three uh, nurses from Africa. That's how, that's how it all started. And that obviously anyone who's interested should get in touch with me. And I got 10 applications. And of <sighs> course, me being so lovely and caring, I couldn't turn them away. So <laughs> I accepted <laughs> because I feel like, you know, they need help. That's why they came to me. So I accepted and I, I started mentoring them for six months to so the 10 nurses. I think three of them were qualified and the rest were in the, the final year of nursing school. And, you know, we were having um, group sessions and one-to-ones and it, it's, it's kind of like got the ball rolling. And the kind of advice that I was giving to them at our group sessions, uh, during our one-to-one -one sessions, actually the things that I've put in the book, because I thought to myself, look, I can't keep saying the same thing. And I mean, how many people can I keep saying the same thing to? If I need to reach all nurses worldwide, then I need to put it in a book. And I mean, the idea came, but I kind of brushed it away. But you know, when you have an idea and it's just like so strong and it keeps nagging at me. And I thought, actually, look, let me try. I had no clue. I've never written a book before. I love reading. I love writing. But... I, I never thought I'll be an author. Let's put it that way. And so the journey began where I started jotting down what the characteristics that I would like to put in the book. Obviously, there's so many characteristics, but I had to kind of niche down on the, to me, the, the ones that I felt were essential, the 15 that were essential. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, I had to begin with, I had 20, then I had to kind of bring it down to 15. It was quite hard because I'm sure you understand all characteristics are essential on UNS, but it was quite hard to kind of niche down on 15 characteristics, but I did. And then it became a bit of a problem because um, we had a, a date where we we're going to launch, I think it was in January, 2021. And I was doing my postgraduate um, diploma in health and social care management. I was working full time. I'm a mother, I'm a wife. It was like, it was just a bit too much. And I just thought I can't do this. So there were moments when it, it wasn't all smooth sailing. There were moments where I thought, look, actually, wow, like, who am I kidding? I cannot do this. You know, it's who am I to write a book? What do I know about writing a book? But with each and every day, as I started writing and jotting down and speaking to people, the, 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 the whole, I could see the book in my head. And even though we were meant to launch in January 2021, I kept saying to my book coach, because I, I had to hire a book coach. I kept saying to her, I don't feel the book was ready. There, there was something missing. Even though I had all the characteristics down, there was something missing. And I felt, I don't want to rush it because I want this book to make a statement. Mm. I want this book to be as helpful to nurses and students' nurses as possible. I don't want to just put it out there just for the sake of it. So a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, lack of sleep, a lot of sacrifice went into bringing this book to fruition. And when I felt it was ready, that was in June 2021. And we launched it on the 2nd of July, 2021, last year. When I felt, look, I've arrived, the book is ready, it's cooked, it's baked, it's ready to be released <laughs> to the world. <laughs> and so that's how it went. It's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm still in awe of myself. Like I, I have actually written a book that people actually pay money to, 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 to get a copy of. You know, it's amazing. Isn't that so cool? That's awesome. It's and so I, awesome. I, love, I love the fine line between the impossible and something that you just takes a little longer. I mean, is anything yeah. really impossible if, if no, you give it enough no. time? Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the motivation, the determination. And I think for me, it, was, it wasn't about, you know, writing a book to, to, to gain popularity or to, to make money or whatever. It was more to, you know, this is the kind of book that I wish I had when I was a student nurse, the kind of book that I wish I had when I qualified, when I was new in the profession. Is that kind of hand-holding? And I mean, if you've had a look at the book, it's written in such simple English, because mm -hmm. again, it's not meant to be an academic book. It's meant to be that book for dummies. It's, but, like it's, but it's a book written in service, right? And, and so yeah. I, that's to me why it was so like palpable for you. And because you had, yeah. and, and the idea was there, it was because you weren't thinking, oh my gosh, I want to have a bestseller or I'm going to make a bunch no. of money. It was strictly because you wanted to serve other nurses. And I think it. it speaks so much volumes about how quickly you were able to do it. Even though there were challenges and stuff, it was like, it just moved right through you and voila, you know, exactly. <laughs> I love that so much. And I think that's such a really like, for nurses to hear, you know, especially entrepreneurial nurses, nurses that, you know, want to do something else. It's like, it, it, it's in service, right? It's yeah. not about, you know, being the top dog or the bestseller or what it's in service. And so I love, I love that you are proof that that's true. Exactly. And you I know? think as nurses, uh, every experience, every knowledge, every skill, nothing goes to waste. And if you go through the book, you'd see that I, in some of the characteristics, I actually use my own experiences mm -hmm. of how I've adopted the, those characteristics and you know if it helped me or not, and this, those kind of things. And one of the best parts to me about the book is the reflective bit, where it, I kind of prompt you to pause and kind of reflect on what you've read and how you use or do not use that particular characteristic in your practice. I mean, it, you cannot get more practical than that. That's true. No, and, and, and I love, I, I love what you just said because that was going to be my next question. I mean, it, it wasn't like you're Moses and God handed you two stone <laughs> tablets with these fifteen things written on them. I mean, you had no. to learn these yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's yeah. can't that I th it's really important that that's not lost on anyone either because you, 
you had to learn empathy. You had to learn exactly. good customer service skills. I mean, what are your favorites? I mean, there's 15 so, of them. We could go through all 15 because I want to hear about, you know, how, so how you gained the wisdom from all, all of them. But <laughs> So, okay. So apart from my own experiences, it was also from years of, of, of observing those I term as great nurses that I've worked with all through my 12 years of nursing. Those would have I've worked with and I felt, look, this person, it's exudes so much love and passion and compassion and empathy for the patients they look after. And I think I'm going to answer your question, Karen, in regards to what's my favorite characteristic. And I'm a, I'm a bit biased because I put that as my first characteristic, which is empathy. And the reason being is that, is that I feel like if you have empathy, when you, uh, you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes, you tend to kind of, those other characteristics kind of come naturally to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if, if, I, if, if I feel your pain, I feel your, what you're going through, I'll go out of my way to make things better, to provide you with a good customer service, to make sure that I'm thinking critically. So that, for example, I give an example in the book about critical thinking where, you know, if somebody's got a low blood pressure, you wouldn't give them antihypertensives or if they are in so much pain, you would um, review their pain and give them painkillers or whatever. You know, like those kind of, if, if I feel your pain, then therefore I'm going to go out of my way to make you better, to make your situation better. You understand? So that's how come I put empathy because someone I'm so empathetic to a fault. Um, I'm working on that. <laughs> but I think as, as, as caregivers, as healthcare professionals, the, the, bare, the bare minimum you need is empathy because it kind of helps you to kind of, you know, do other things, to go out of your way, to make things better. You understand? Mm -hmm. To make yeah. your, patient, your patient's care journey as seamless as possible. It, it, it informs oh. the kind of care that you're going to provide, right? That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yes. love that. I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's true too. I mean, you know, probably nurses in general don't really go into the field without a certain level of that, but I think it gets yeah. so much more developed over time in terms of, yeah. you know, your experience as a nurse and, and, you know, this and recognizing, right? Like, oh, this yeah. person has, you know, some really, really difficult family situation or this, pay, yeah. you know, whatever it is that's, you know, kind of at the root. And then, it, you know, because you have empathy, it informs the kind of care that you provide. Yes, yes. And I, I think sometimes as caregivers, we we become so technical in, in, this, in the sense that we go onto the ward or you're, you're giving the care and you're just so focused, task oriented. Mm -hmm. You're so focused on what you need to do that, you know, you, you kind of forget that the patient is a human being you understand and so then i think somewhere in the book i also said about you know actually asking your patients how they are and meaning it when you're asking that question yeah you're not just asking the question how how are you just to get an answer you actually want to know how they are how their night was do they have a good sleep what can you do to make it better you know whatever they're going through it's just it sounds a bit cheesy but it's just so simple and i think it's one of the things that kind of prompts I want to prompt nurses to kind of kind of pause and think of a patient as a human being first before anything else. Oh my gosh, that's such an important point, and I'm glad you said it. I, I mean, I, I remember well. Just recently, my dad was in, he had had heart surgery, and the difference between well, forget my dad, it, it, just any man, like a man that's 75 to 90 to 100 years old. Okay, so. They've been through, probably been in a war or two. Yeah. They've raised families. They've lost children. They've had children. They've lost wives. They've, you know, they've, they've, and then here they are wearing half naked, wearing an open hospital gown, right? And a nurse comes in and says, hi, Mr. So-and-so, how are you? Without even looking. Yeah. How is he? He's feeling vulnerable. He's probably yeah. missing his wife. Yes. If he's lost his wife or his children, he's feeling what happened to my, my power, what happened yes. to my masculinity. Yes. I'm, I'm facing my mortality. Maybe, you know, I can't make the toilet. I'm shitting all over myself. I mean, it would sound like this if she was empathetic. Yeah. 
Mr. Jones, how you doing? Not, how you doing, Mr. Jones? How are we doing, Mr. Jones? And it's so (laughs) different. Yes. And I'm so happy that you put it first. Mm-hmm. Yes, me because yeah. I don't care if your charting is off and you're not dotting your I's and crossing your T's and maybe you're behind in your medicine, whatever. That is what make that is a nurse. Yes, I mean that that, that two to mm-hmm. five minutes. That I mean sometimes I because obviously I'm more in a supportive managerial role at the moment, mm-hmm. but I still do a bit of locum in a, an acute hospital because I'm I, I love that I miss that and um, that kind of patient relationship. And, you know, when it's so busy, you don't have time to speak to your patients. You, you talk to them. You don't speak with them. You don't talk with them. And so, you know, having that five minutes of downtime, just standing by the patient's bedside and having that conversation with them to see, oh, how was your day? You know, and they, they sometimes they speak to you about their family members, you know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's such a simple thing that is often overlooked, not on purpose, not by design, but it's just because everything is so rushed. And I think if you look at it, if you look back at the last 20 years or so, the nurses' responsibilities have kind of doubled in that you know, we're doing everything that a doctor used to do many, many years ago. So of course you go on a typical shift, eight hour shift, 12 hour shift, and sometimes you barely have time to have a pee. I mean, go to the toilet or even have a drink, a drink of something, you know, as horrible as that sound. So you're constantly rushed off your feet, just going up and down, just trying to tick off tasks off your, you know, your to-do list. But that's two minutes, five minutes of saying, good morning, my name is Josephine. I'm, I'll be your nurse for tonight or I'll be your nurse for this shift. Um, just let me know if you need anything uh, or are you okay? Is anything I can do for you? It only takes a few seconds, but it means so much to, to those patients that it's, you can see it in their demeanor the way they respond to you when you ask them those questions. They are so happy that somebody actually finally has time to speak to them, to come and ask them, are you okay? What can I do for you? Do you want a cup of tea? Something as simple as, do you want a cup of tea? So simple, but in, I mean, in Britain, in England, we love our teas and coffees, you know, so. <laughs> you know, somebody's feeling a bit down, offer them something nice or whatever they want to drink, just offer them. And then, you know, it, it doesn't take away all the problems, but, it, it goes some ways to help solve some issues, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's support right there. I, you know, I you, listening to you talk, and it makes me wonder what you were like as a little girl. I'm just curious. <laughs> because you, you had the spark, and it's clear that you, you know, you have had empathy your whole life. You recognized right away that we're all human beings, and that was... Yeah. So it makes me think that this these characteristics go way back. I'm just curious if you they think do. That's true. They actually do, actually, Antra. Because I mean, if you speak to I, I, I grew up in a boarding school. So from the age of seven to about fifteen, I was in a, a different boarding schools, and I didn't realize this. But since leaving boarding school many, many years ago, whenever I'm speaking to my 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 classmates, my schoolmates, they're always like, "Oh, like people remember me from." 20 years ago, you understand? And I'm thinking, how do you still remember Offer. my name? And yeah, and they said, oh, you were like, you were everybody's friend. I always have people around me. And without knowing this, I, I was some sort of a leader. I, I, I don't know how, <laughs> but I always, I, I was that kind of person that always kind of drew people to me or people kind of naturally got drawn to me in, in whatever ways. I don't know what they saw in me, but speaking to my classmates, my schoolmates, my teachers, my everybody, you know, that I speak with, majority of the people, not everybody, because there's always that person that doesn't like you for whatever reason. But it's always that, like, I was that, if you're hungry, you come to me because I'll give you my last one pound or one dollar, that kind of person. I, I always go out of my way to make sure that those around me are okay. And if, it's, if it means giving you my last money or my last food, that's what I do. And I didn't even realize this, but it's something that I got from my grandma, who sadly passed away um, last night. Growing up with her, she was always, we had people coming to our home, people that need help. She was always helping people, paying their school fees, making sure that their families, other people's families were fine. It was just something that I learned from her without realizing. So it's, it's 
I don't know if I was born with it, but I think it was some one of those kind of like nature versus nurture. She nurtured me, therefore she kind of put in me that kind of characteristic. And I've grown with it and it's become part and parcel of me. You kind of got that her. baked in as a young girl, right? Yes. <laughs> Grandma yeah. baked that right into you. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing. It makes so much sense that you asked that question, Ancha. It's beautiful because you said, well, we, what you were talking about, the taking five minutes to go look at see that patient, what are you doing? You're making them feel seen. Yes. I see you. Yes. I and, want to you. And being seen could be the difference between life or death. Because yes. if you don't exist, if nobody cares, then what's the point? It's the difference between the antibiotic working or not. There's, yes. there's a, a scientific chemical explanation for that. Mm. Yeah. Are you, you know... And so you can save a life by making a person feel seen. And what you're talking about, you said, I wrote it down. I was a leader. People followed me. I don't know what I, you said something like, I don't know what they saw or I don't know why. Because yes. you made them feel seen. Because your grandmother, when she would pay their tuition, when they couldn't, when she checked on the families, I see you. Yes. And you gave that to your friends. Of course, they want to hang around you. Of course, they want to be around <laughs> Princess Josephine because it, they feel like they exist more around you. Yes. Yes. Hey, this is and I treat everybody the same. You cry. <laughs> <laughs> what time I, is it? I, I, I treat everybody the same. I don't care if you are, because obviously, you know, you got grades, you got grades, you know, in, when you're in school, you got different grades. And I, I didn't make anybody feel as if you're my junior, therefore you have no business speaking to me or being in my circle. To me, everybody's human being, full stop. You understand? And I think I, I, I treat people the way I want them to treat me or the way I expect to be treated. So it's, it's one of those kind of karma thing, you know, you, you, put in, you get from the world what you put into the world. Mm -hmm. That, that, that's how I feel and I've always felt like that so it's it, it, it comes to me effortlessly I, I don't actually have to try to be empathetic it's just it's just who I am basically I love that you you wear that just like right on your sleeve you go we need more to it. just wear it on their sleeve and they they own it I love yeah. that <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and you're like so not oh, that's not how to say it I don't know. It's like you're so full of yourself that you're not that you're empty. No, you know what I mean. I mean, I mean that like I don't mean that in a bad way. Like full of love. I'm so full that I'm overflowing. You know, like that's what it is. So there's this, you know, energy about you. But I think it's more. We got we got to coin a phrase for Josephine in terms of it's not lightning in the bottle. There's this energy that flows out of you that's so full. The dams are gonna break. The dams are gonna break. <laughs> we don't want that. No flooding. <laughs> no, but that's. I mean, I think that's universally true. You know, like when you see people or or people are drawn to you because they see themselves, you know, they're actually drawn to themselves. I like to be around me, around you. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I do try. <laughs> I think it's because I, I treat people like people just, you know, it's, we are all humans and, you know, we are only here for a few years. You know, why don't you make a positive impact on the people that you come across? It doesn't take, I mean, I read somewhere that it takes more muscles for you to frown than to smile. You understand? And in the end, if you're smiling more, you don't get you don't get any much wrinkles. So why don't you just put that same effort? Okay, I'm gonna be smiling <laughs> all the time then, Josephine. <laughs> you know, why don't you put that same effort you put in being angry and bitter and greedy or you know, whatever towards people? Just make the world a better place. Because it's just it sounds a bit cliche, but that's what I'm trying to do. Just make the world a better place than I met it. If, even if it means, uh, you know, influencing one person positively, I'm happy. You understand? Yeah. So it's, you know, we're, we've got all, I think globally, we, Karen and I attended Josiah's conference uh, a couple of weeks or last week, I think it was. And globally nursing has some issues, right? Like, yes. you know, everywhere. And so I'm curious, like with all the issues, burnout and PTSD and short staffing and medication errors and all of this stuff that seems to be endemic or across the globe, what, what are your, how, how do you kind of 
navigate that. Especially with the ones that you mentor, with the nurses that you mentor, because I can imagine younger nurses coming in yeah. are sort of like, do I really want to do this? I've, I've had that, yes. I actually had one of my young mentees. She, she obviously, the mentorship that I was offering, um, it was for six months, but I always made it clear to them from the beginning that it's not just six months thing and that's it. I always had, I've always had an open door policy. And I encourage them to always come to me with questions and, you know, just to, because, as a, 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 you know, like I said, I, I, I wished I had this kind of book. I wish I had somebody, when I was a student nurse or a qualified nurse, holding my hand, mm-hmm. kind of somebody who's lived, who has a lived experience, you know, they've already been there, they've got a t-shirt, somebody who's, you know, been there and they can tell me what the, the pitfalls to avoid and what to do, what not to do, that kind of relationship. So that's a, that's the kind of person that I, I want to be for my mentees. And I actually had one of them ring me after the six months when she qualified and said, she doesn't think she can do it because it's a bit overwhelming. I mean, when you're a student nurse, it's a bit different than when you qualify. And I think the reality sets in when you qualify, you think actually, oh, this is it, you know, I'm a nurse and everybody that's in my care it's 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 their life depends on what i do or do i don't do so i think she got a bit overwhelmed and i think we just you know listen to her made it help like just listen to her to cry her out had a bit of a cry and then we had a bit of conversation saying look just take one day at a time mm-hmm. i think if you look at the bigger picture it's quite scary it's enough to kind of put you off nursing because there's so much wrong there's so much negative things in nursing that if you concentrate on it too much it kind of overshadows why you got into your nursing or your why into nursing so I think for me and for my mentees I'm always encouraging them look just take one day at a time if you feel like you need time away just take time away you know if you feel like you need your your tasks to be reduced for whatever just speak to whoever is in charge if you think your workload is too much just have that conversation communicate because if you're not communicating then people don't know that you're struggling or you're suffering or you need that extra pair of hands so and i know it sounds a bit easy for me to sit here and say this but it's, it's the only way we can get things done just have that conversations with your manager with your in charge whoever you need to speak to and if you need time away you are entitled to have time away don't feel guilty for you know having a bit of self self love because you deserve that you can't pour from an empty cup you understand if you're empty what do you give to your patients you've got nothing you want to that provide you want that damn about the bus <laughs> no <laughs> and then you end up making mistakes when you're so burnt out and you're so tired because you, you know you need to be alert all the time you need to, your yeah. brain needs to be sharp so if you are tired, you're not you're doing a, a great disservice to your patients and yourself. And in the end, you probably end up in so much trouble. You understand? Well, I, so I, I think that happens. Self love, and um, I think we are a bit, nurses are a bit too hard on themselves as well. We need to go easy. Like we are also humans. We need that self love. Simple as that. Karen, don't you think it's interesting that it's come back around to this again? You know, this idea of, we've been talking a lot about that. We've had lots of conversations lately around, you know, what is going to change nursing? And I think you just actually hit the nail on the head, at least in, you know, from the conversations Karen and I have had about, you know, filling ourselves up first and taking care of ourselves first and that, you know, nurses typically don't do that. So putting um, your own oxygen mask on before you help another, I mean, you're going to, yeah, it's like, um, you're given a, I talked about the other day as in like homeostasis, Mm -hmm. you know, like your body's always trying to, there's an emotional, spiritual homeostasis too. Cause when, When you're depleting yourself, when you're not filling yourself, when you're filling yourself up, your body's got to offload some of that. Yes. That positive, yeah. some of that overflow onto other people. So it it's just a natural thing when you're getting good rest, when you're feeding your body right, when you're yeah. watering your body right, when you're taking time to walk in nature and do all those things that make us feel yeah. plugged into the mains, you yes. know, plugged into something bigger than ourselves then you're always going to be overflowing and nature is going to want to offload that onto somebody else. But if you're not taking care, if you're, if you're not plugged in and it's just me single, just little me, not plugged into nature or anything else, your reservoir is finite. Yeah. And you deplete, deplete, deplete. And then you start getting kind of like 
resentful. Yes. And yeah. like, and then you're not doing the, the advocacy because you, then you're like, it's like a fight or flight thing. It's a protective mechanism. The body yeah. wants to protect itself. So I'm, I'm not going to be able to advocate for my patient. I'm not no. going to be able to think critically if I'm exhausted and overwhelmed, you know, that's when people start dying. And then what happens? It's like, there's a, there's a, I can't remember the name for it, but it's like, there's a point of no re- point of no return because okay. you're going to crash and burn if yeah. you get too low. But when you're up here, there's just like an endless, it's an infinite fount. Yeah. Of but so that, that's the thing. Can you imagine if we all knew what you know, Josephine, about taking care of yourself and loving yourself? Like, I think that's systemically what is wrong at the very foundation of nurses it's in nursing the profession because we we push 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 we get you know in these systems that are push 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 and then there's nothing left so it's like karen said point in no return how do you how did you know that how did you know that it was started with you um, <laughs> so i don't know I, I think it's just experience and also observing also observing people you know as that had breakdowns, you know, yeah. not just emotional and psychological. I think the the physical as well, because I've, I know a lot of nurses that have they have like musculoskeletal issues because the, the work is stressful on the body, on the mind, on every on, on every being of you. And I think I mean somewhere was it last year actually? I actually I broke down. I I I went off social media. I I put my phone off. I just shut the world out because I needed that. There was so much going on, working full-time, being a parent, you know, the book was out. There was so much. And I think I was, I got to a point where I, I was always out there because when you get on social media, they're always saying to you, you know, you need to be out there posting all the time. You need to, your face needs to be there so that people will know who you are. They will know what you're trying to sell, your services, your products. And I think it got to a point, I was doing that so much so that I, I broke down because it's not, first of all, it's not who I am. I'm not that out there social media person. And that constant, you know, trying to put some posts out there, trying to be something that I'm not, it was a bit too much. And it got to a point, I, I actually shut down for about two weeks. I just blocked everything out and everybody out. And that did me so much good that I just came back and I felt so refreshed. Mm-hmm. I felt like this is the kind of person that I know myself to be because mm-hmm. I think when you're so stressed out, you become so irritable, you become angry all the time, you're shouting at your kids, you're screaming at everybody, and everything makes you angry because you're just so, you know, like, go away, leave me alone, that kind of, you know, situation. <laughs> but I guess I think I'm, I'm preaching what I've practiced and I know that it's worked. And at the moment, I'm also, you know, on a paid leave. I don't know what you call it in the UK, in the uh, USA. But again, I'm taking time out of myself. I'm just staying home and just doing nothing, you know, because that's what I want to do. And nobody can tell me otherwise, because I feel that's what my body needs, my brain needs, my heart needs to get me to where I need to be. Because like a car battery, you understand, you you, you drive the car for so long, the battery is going to deplete. You Like um, Karen said, you need to recharge. And that's what I'm doing. And that's why I preach. You need to recharge if you feel like you need to recharge. You would know. Your body will tell you when you need to recharge. I think that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go ahead, Karen. <laughs> you got to plug in yourself. You got to plug yeah. in yourself. <laughs> you have to recharge because it gets to a point where it's just a bit too much. And uh, I think the, the, the most important thing is knowing when you've reached that limit. We all have our limits. You, you have to know when you've reached that limit and when you need to stop and just kind of take a step back. If you're not realizing those limits, then you're just not going to know. What if you get a mentee who's like, I don't know what that, I don't know when I know. How do I know when I've reached a limit? Like, I, I don't know. I You know, I mean, I think there are plenty of nurses out there who disassociate who have no sense about their body speaking to them so how would you coach them around something like that because i think that's foundational i i i think i think we all know this is like it's like having a sixth sense we we all kind of have it but you have to be in tune with it you have to kind of you have to kind of pause and find it that makes sense like you have to be in tune you have to stop 
think, analyze, kind of reflect, a lot of reflection. I encourage a lot of reflection. And I think because we are so rushed off our feet, we're not, we don't take time to actually realize what is going on in our bodies, with our bodies, with our brains and stuff like that. But when you actually pause and analyze things, you would know. You would know that you've reached yeah. your, surely you would know. You know I you've think, reached your um, limit. I think it starts with giving people permission again to listen to their bodies because we we're kind of at least I was brought up and it sounds like a lot of a lot of nurses and a lot of different cultures were that you sac you're taught to sacrifice yourself to put everybody else first and that's so ingrained in us that it's like I don't have permission to think of myself that that, it has to start with that you have to show them why scientifically (laughs) and logically this makes sense and what you've been taught was actually a lie. You know, you, yeah. you can't just drain yourself without filling. You can't just drain the tank without filling it up. I mean, it's not an endless reservoir. You have to fill up the tank. You know, you have to plug it in. It's, it can be an electric car. You can plug it into the mains. But you have, <laughs> to, you have to know that, A, you have a plug or a tank that yeah. one exists and know what you've been told is wrong. You, you can't yeah. put everybody else first. So there'll be nothing left of you. Okay. Um, so, and I think it's, I think once people can start thinking about it that way, at least what I found, and I'd love to hear stories. We'd love to hear stories about wins. So I want to hear stories about your mentees, but I think once they have permission, then it's as obvious as hunger, you know, your limit is, as your, your body speaking to you is as obvious as hunger or thirst or tiredness or loneliness or horniness or, or restlessness <laughs> or, you know, like that exactly. it's the language of the body. Okay. Yeah. I just have to, before we go on, I just have to say to you both, like I'm totally getting teary because this is so touching. And I think that oh, you guys, yeah. the two of you are just amazing. Like I just, this whole conversation, and I'm just going to start falling. <laughs> I, I love you. I love oh, you. I'm just listening to the two of you. You'll know. You you know. You have the sense. You have to give you yourself. You would know. Time. There's no way you would not know. And I think, like Karen said, I've through the mentorship and the coach, I've I'm having to debunk a lot of myths about nursing. You know, I'm trying to tell them, look, forget everything you've been told about nursing because that's not what that's not a reality. You understand? You're told to, you know, nursing is that vocation. You have to kill yourself for your patients. You know, your patient comes first. But we know that's not true. You understand? You know, how can you pour from an empty cup? If you're not looking after yourself, how can you give the best possible care to your patient? You understand? Because you, if you're tired, your brain is not as functional as it should be. You're not thinking straight. You, you're not doing it. Because if you're tired, like Andrea said, you cannot advocate for your patient because if your advocacy takes a lot of energy, you have to be fighting people to get the things that your patient needs. And if you're tired, you're like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'm just too tired. I, I, I don't have the strength to be fighting this doctor or this consultant yeah. or this person because I'm just tired. You understand? But you, yeah. you need... So I think we, we are debunking a lot of a lot of myths about nursing, and I'm saying to them always, you know, just put yourself first. It doesn't mean you're you're selfish. It just means that you. I think as a professional, if you're not self-aware, that's also a bit dangerous to some extent. Anyway, you need to be self-aware. You need to be aware of your strengths and your weaknesses. If you're not aware of these things, then you're not gonna be, you're not gonna put your the best version of you out there as a nurse. That's that's how I feel. That's I love I this feel. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's 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 the same conversation. I feel like I'm seeing the same thing and having the same conversation with so many different people. It's like the whole world is waking up to this. Yeah. Because yeah. Again, you only put up with what you think you deserve. So on an individual basis, if you're, why don't you deserve to fill yourself up? You know, why answer that question? And then as a nursing collective, why do we feel that our environment, our hospital environment, our work environment, it's okay if it doesn't support us, if it does, you know, if if it doesn't support us with enough staff ratio, you know, low staff ratios and enough auxiliary support and the right equipment and whatever, why do we feel like we deserve to work under those conditions until we figure that out? It's not going to change. We're just yelling, but we don't believe it. I don't believe no. you. 
Why don't I believe you? Because you're still working there. So there, you know, I I, I had a, a colleague that was in one place for about 15 years, not respected. You know, there's so many issues that was going on. And I, I, I was there for only about three years. And I quickly saw the the not so great things, let me put it that way, in that environment. And I thought I deserve better. I, I, I don't deserve this. Look, I'm a nurse. I've been to school for three years. I've been to university for three years. I've qualified. I've got my pin number to protect. I've got my sanity to protect. Nursing jobs are, are like, you know, 100 for one pound or one dollar. Like there's so many jobs. Every single day I get emails in my inbox saying there's this job here. We want to, you know, I've seen your CV. Do you want to come and work with us? So like you, you cannot stay in one place just because I think people get so comfortable. They get so comfortable. And I think sometimes when you're comfortable, you become complacent. Mm -hmm. And again, things, bad things happen. But when you become so comfortable in your environment, you don't grow. You understand? You don't grow personally and professionally. And when you become so comfortable, you accept anything that's thrown at you because you feel that, oh, I, I, I cannot get any better or I cannot I don't deserve any better so you end up just staying where you are and accepting anything that's been thrown at you like abuse and disrespect and all that and I'm not all for that if I if I not, look I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet I'm not the best but I'm not the worst you understand and if, I, if I'm to apply for jobs right now I will get a job everywhere everywhere that I apply for because I know what I bring to the table I know my skills I know my knowledge I know the experience I know the exposure that I have and I know what I can bring to a, a particular organization so I'm not going to stay in one place and be so comfortable that I would be enduring you know unsafe work environment it's not safe and that's what I preach to my people. Yeah. I think that's such a really valid point. And here in the United States, and I don't know about the UK, but it, it is, you know, patients don't know that they can demand this, at least the minimum standard of care, right? But they can. Yes. They just don't know they can. And nurses can also demand Ooh. the standard, right? Like, and yeah. we don't know that we can. To your point, yeah. because we get comfortable and complacent and we, you know, think that there's, you know, I don't want to jump off the ledge because what if I don't get the job or what if I, whatever it is, yeah. you know? And so yeah. I think that's a, you know, really empowering to think in that, in those terms, like I can demand better. And if it means I'm not going to work here because it's not better then see ya. Exactly. If it means right. changing jobs every so often, I mean, people say, oh, it looks bad on your CV when you change jobs so often. But if, if you can give, if you're <laughs> in a bad place, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's one of the, one of the things about the, the myths I was talking about nursing. There's yeah, this, yeah, yeah. all these myths that we have yeah. to debunk. Yeah. Just because you're, you're changing jobs every one year doesn't mean that you're not stable or you're a bad nurse. It yeah. just means that you know what you want. And if, you, if you're not getting what you want or what you deserve in where, wherever you are, then you have, by all means, you have every right to move. Yeah. Right. And you think so of a one-liner. You, you think of a one-liner, like, you know, someone asks you, why have you moved around so much? You say, well, I give my patients the top quality. So exactly. I won't work someone who, somewhere who won't give me top quality. Simple as that. Perfect. We're debunking the, the nursing myths. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I think you have And lucky book. you if you're the one. <laughs> you have another book, Josephine. Pardon? You have another book, Debunking the Nursing Myth. I yeah, think actually, yeah, why not? Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, we could do that together. That would be so fun. There, there's I know. so many myths. There's so, I mean, one of, one of the worst ones I've heard was that, and I was told this when I was qualified, and for so long, I was advising other nurses the same, was that if you qualify, when you qualify, you have to work at the bedside for at least a year. Yes, that's a total, yes. Who, who, who made that up? Who, who who made oh that? Who made that? Who made that? That's brilliant. You know, that you have to have. No, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, it's good. I, I always say to my mentees, if you want it, I mean, if you if you have those bedside skills, it, it makes you more marketable. But it doesn't mean that if you don't have it, you won't get a job. Well, some nurses aren't suited to work on a medical no, surgical floor. It's no. not their personality. They'd be no. much better in an <laughs> OR or an ICU or, right? Like, you understand? So, it's, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. So there's so many myths that we need to debunk because 
it's not helping anybody. And I think the new generation of nurses are beginning to realize that whatever they were being told before or whatever we were told, we that we came before them have been told was just rubbish. And I just love the confidence that. that these new nurses, like they exude so much confidence and they come out and they know what they want to do and nobody's telling them otherwise. They oh my gosh, we have to have, we have to have a separate, we'll do like a round table panel, but a fun, lighthearted panel discussion, put it out on social media, invite whoever wants to come and we'll just debunk myths. That would be there's so, so fun. Because so there's so many there's stories so many too. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. Healthy. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. That would yeah. be worth it. That would be a good continuing. It, w- it would be lovely. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> there um, are so many. So many. Yeah. Well, tell me, okay, that, we're going to stick a pin in that one, come back uh, another time because that we'll talk uh, yeah. more about that. Yeah. That is such a great idea. Mm-hmm. I want to know about some of your, what are your favorite stories of working with your mentees? Like some wins. You know, do you have, do you have a couple that stick out? Like they were lost and lonely and scared and then they found you and became a princess. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I know, but you know what I mean? Like what, what, yeah. something that made you feel like this. Now I, I remember why I do this. This feels like it filled you up to see them fill. Um, so, I mean, the, I remember two particular ones. So one of them wanted, I mean, in this country, we, we, we job roles are in bands. So I had a, an international nurse who was a band five and wanted to secure a band six, a higher band. Is um, that like experience level? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I mean, it's, 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 it's based on your experience, but it's not so much that you, it's not automatic. You have to apply for those jobs and kind of go for interviews and prove to, your, prove to them why you're fit for that job. So, uh, All right, it's so like she, going... Going up a level in a, bl- a belt in martial arts. That's it. Yeah. Something like that. Yes. <laughs> so go up a level. So funny enough, uh, I'll just have to backtrack a bit. Writing my book, How to Be a Great Nurse, actually opened doors for me in terms of other writing gigs. So I I currently write for a nursing platform. Yes, I got mine here. <laughs> I currently write for, uh, since writing the book, I've started writing for a nursing platform. And one of the articles that I wrote about for that platform was my, my role as an infection control nurse and how I got that job. So remember I said, you know, we have the band, so band five, then band six, then band seven, eight, nine. So I was initially a band five and I, I got a job as a band seven. So I skipped one band and went straight to the, you know, band seven. So I wrote that experience in an article for that platform. And so this lady, um, uh, person that I coached, she reached out to me and said, look, I've read your book. I've read your article, pardon me. And I want to go for a band six infection control job. Can you coach me? The interview is next, I think it was about a week or so to go. The interview is next week. Can you coach me on how to prepare for the interview and, and all that? So we went through some interview questions, did a bit of coaching, and we kind of created a PowerPoint presentation. And she said, when she, and I quote, when I, when I was doing my presentation, they were taken aback because they were not expecting me to produce a presentation. So is that kind of like, you know, coaching and telling her, look, and saying to her, don't be ordinary. You understand? Because everybody goes to interviews and they just, you know, question and answers. You go there and prove to them, show to them your knowledge. What, what, even though you don't have all the skills you're looking for, show them what you can do, what you can bring to the table, how you can make the job better, how you can, you, you can make the team better, you know, by being in that team. And she said to me, she finished the, uh, the interview. She went home. She received a phone call that she's got a job less than 24 hours. You understand? Wow. So that, that's a success story for me because I, I just, I take it so personal when, because their wins are my wins. Yeah. Yeah. She, I, whatever I put, yes. Whatever I put into them is what is, 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 is what comes out of them. If that makes sense. Yeah. She, Karen, Josephine blows up boxes that others are still thinking outside. Of. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to, to, that you coach somebody like, don't do the ordinary. Don't do what everybody else does. You know, I, we just saw this about, you, you know, the term imposter syndrome. Right. I <laughs> just saw, I just, the other day, we, I can't remember who we were talking to. It just flipped for me 
because it's like, oh, ha ha, imposter syndrome. Of course you should have imposter syndrome. If you have imposter syndrome, that's a sign that you are an imposter in a way it's always been done. Yeah. You know, so embrace that imposter syndrome. If you feel uneasy, it's because you feel uneasy because you think because you're different. Yes. And you don't know if everybody else who's looking at the way you do it is going to accept it. Exactly. But you are still an imposter in the old way of doing things. Yes. Which is a good thing to be. It is a good thing. I think uh, having imposter syndrome has so much negativity around it because you feel like, oh, I don't deserve to be here. You, I mean, why don't you deserve it? Everybody else is here. Why can't you be at this table also? You know, what makes those people so special? Have they got two homes? You know, why why can't they get that job and they deserve it? But you don't <laughs> you understand. And I mean, I get that as well. Sometimes, I mean, writing the book, I, I kind of think to myself, did I actually write this book? I mean, people are actually buying my book, you know? But it's, it also means that because I feel like, you know, there's more in me that I can do more. Okay, I'm here. I've done the book. Now what? What's yeah. the message? That's, Where that's do I a good question. To get to? Exactly. So it's, it's, it? I think having that, yeah, having that imposter syndrome is you wanting to do more. You're here, but you want to achieve more. So we have to kind of like go back to looking at imposter syndrome as a positive thing, not yeah. so much as negative anymore. Yeah, the negative is because you're believing a myth. Yeah, yeah. another <laughs> thing to debunk. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So what are, what are your, what are your next things? I mean, you're now an author and a coach mentor and infection oh, control nurse. And what's Princess next? Josephine Amor, what's next? <laughs> so what's next? So I've suddenly in the last few years decided that I'm doing my MSE at the moment, my master's, and I've decided I want to pursue a, a PhD in patient safety. So that's on my books for the next couple of years. Also, hopefully to kind of author more books because I know there are more stories in me that needs to be out. And I think in general, just to kind of influence positively more people, more nurses worldwide by sharing, to continue sharing my uh, experiences, my knowledge, and just, you know, kind of make the nursing profession a better place because we nursing professional nurses get so much bad reputation in the media and you know there are so many things that people think nurses are that we are not and I think in my own little way I just want to go out there and try and help better that image you know by debunking myths one myth at a time do you you mentioned you mentioned that you do some coaching for nurses in Africa can you just say a little bit about can you just say a little bit about that since you live in the UK Right, so nursing in Africa, it's a bit different. And that's how what I came to realize. It's a bit different from nursing in the US or UK or in the Western world. First of all, the infrastructure, the, 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 the equipment, the things that they need to do their jobs properly, most of the times it's not available. So they, have, they are having to improvise and, you know, stuff like that. And of course, with I think if you look in my book, I put in customer service, good customer service mm-hmm. skills because... Having been a patient myself and having family members who've been patient, and I'm not trying to paint Africa as a bad place, but most of the hospitals, the customer service is is so appalling. It's just nothing to write home about. It's, let's put it this way. Sometimes it feels like the nurses are doing the patients a favor by being a nurse, by nursing them, they feel like they're doing a favor. Therefore, if you ring the bell or if you're asking for something, you know, I, I just don't know how to explain it. There's just so much wrong in the system. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to start with by mentoring the African nurses because I want them to be their knowledge and their expertise to kind of be on par with what we have in the Western world. Mm-hmm. Because in the Western world, you dare not speak to a patient in a, a rude manner because you'll be losing your job. You, you'll be referred to the, the, the NMC. I don't know what you call it in the US, but we call it the National Midwifery Council. They'll be referring you to that because your patient is your customer. And that's why I wrote in the book, you have to treat your patient as a customer. You need to treat them the way you would like to be treated. You understand? So I think that's what I'm trying to get. I mean, I can't do it all. It's a huge job. I cannot do it all. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like if I'm able to influence the practice of even just the one nurse yeah. I've, I've achieved, yeah. I've arrived. 
Yeah. You understand? So the the coaching is a bit different. I mean, I I was going through like the duty of condo. You have to be telling patients when something goes wrong. And some of them were not aware of it. You understand? And it's not because they don't want to be aware of it. It's because they've not been taught about duty of condo or whatever other things that I spoke about in my book. And so that's how come the idea came to me about writing that book, because we need to be sharing whatever it is that we know in the Western world, sharing with the rest of the world, mm-hmm. that is how things need to be done. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you um, have taken it, you know, that you wrote the book and that, you know, you're engaged with the, with Josiah and his mission to help nurses in Africa. And I, yeah, it's cool. I, I was just curious. I have an idea for your PhD thesis. Oh dear. Yeah. Your research project. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> okay thank you for patients for patient safety I, I i love patient safety so much so that i mean i mean infection control is part of patient safety but i think i want to get into 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 the whole patient safety sector there's so much yeah can you can you figure out why preventable death in the united states is in a, in a medical system is the third leading cause of death that could be your thesis <laughs> We, we we have something similar in in, in in i come from ghana in west africa and there are so many preventable deaths some of them relating to you know uh people not double checking especially like after in the surgery in the theater not double checking if all the equipment are account- accountable for and you know surgical size infections all these kind of things like things are people are not paying attention to and they are so needless those kind of deaths yep. they are avoidable they're preventable yep. and that's how come I'm, I'm doing a bit of quality improvement with some hospitals in Ghana as well because mm. sometimes it's not the people it's the processes yep. and if we go by what happened with the nurse in America I forgot her name you know oh it God. wasn't her fault 100% it was the, the system that we're not in. yeah you understand? Problem, if you yeah. don't have the right systems then it's not going to enable people to practice safely you understand it's it's it's, it's a 50 50 kind of thing yeah. you, you cannot do without each each of it yeah. is a, it's a person and then the system so i think you know i'm doing my bit to kind of improve the quality of services the quality of care that patients receive you know in the uk but more so in africa with what i do with my my coaching yeah. and mentorship they really, I mean, human beings, we're all made out of the same carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and stardust. I mean, like, yeah, we come in different shades and shapes and sizes, yeah. but we're made of the same stuff. So what's going to kill somebody is going to kill another person. These standards should be global. I mean, yes. it should be a standard of practice throughout the world for nurses, for doctors, for medicine in general. I mean, why is why can somebody get a certain kind of care that is curative in one country and it's just we're going to put you on hospice in another and there's nothing more we could do i mean there's there's just i know it's coming with the internet and information sharing but there's you know if we're all made of the same stuff then we should have the same shot of living dying being well you know equality equal you know healthcare is not a a privilege it's it's a right Mm -hmm. Just like education is a right. Well, if you're not alive, then you can't really receive any of your rights. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Or sick. Quite hard, isn't it? Josephine, thank you. Josephine Amoa, How to Be a Great Nurse. Go get the book. We're going to, I don't know, stalk her for a while and see what else we can do with this and spread the word. (laughs) I think it should be standard as every nursing curriculum. Yes. It, it is, and that's what I'm trying to get. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit hard at the moment because I've approached some universities, and they're saying to me, "Oh, they cannot put it on their reading list for whatever reason." I know, I know. Uh, yeah, you told us not, that we're we're gonna we're gonna get into the. the box. <laughs> you no, gotta go not. in. <laughs> you gotta find the cracks. You gotta find the people yeah. like you because yeah. there are people like you who yeah. are becoming had you know administration and even deans who are there to shake shing, <laughs> shake shizzle up. You just got to find the right ones yeah. and and yeah, we're looking so, for them too. So we'll share. Yeah. Let's, let's stay connected, Josephine. And maybe we can, you know, put together a, a round table of nurses and talk about myth, nurse, nursing, debunking, myth nursing, myths, myth busters. I think that'll be such a fun conversation, but let's, let's keep connected. You have been, I mean, 
a pleasure to have on our podcast. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank amazing. you. I love talking, by the way. So anytime <laughs> you need me, just call me. So do we. So <laughs> you're here. Here. <laughs> how do people get, because I, I shouldn't assume, but if a nurse reached out to you from, because these are universal principles, whether, yes. no matter yeah. what, you know, yeah. where you are a nurse, things yeah. in your book. So if somebody wants coaching or mentoring can it, from the United States, would you do that? Would you do something? I, I coach everybody, anywhere. everybody all over. Yeah. So how do people yeah. get a hold of you? So I've got a website. It's uh, what's my website. It's so it's josephineamoa.com. That's A-M-O-A-H. Yeah, josephineamoa.com. I'm also on Instagram as josephineamoa underscore. I'm on Twitter as at josephineamoa underscore. And I'm on um, LinkedIn as josephineamoa into bracket Nest Josie. You'll find me there. So you can use any of those platforms to reach me. Um, You can also email me. My email address is on my website. It's um, info at josephineamoa.com or info at b-i-n-a-c-o-n-s-u-l-t-s.com and that's binaconsult.com. You'll find me. All right. All right. We'll put that in the show There's no shortage of ways and no excuse (laughs) to not find her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for having me. It's been amazing. It's been lovely. Yeah. It's been really nice. All right. Renegades.